Hi, I'm Ellie, a third-year geography student. And I'm Katerina, a third-year vet student, but now doing zoology. Welcome. We're pleased to be spoking with you today. The Spoke is a podcast designed to meet all your cat-based needs. Bringing you interviews and features in and around college. We finally abandoned Microsoft Teams and this episode is being recorded here in Cats. In the same room. As you can probably tell, we love a pun and the spoke is a pun based off the college wheel. So settle down, grab a cup of tea, a biscuit and some slices of fried bread. It's the spoke. Welcome to the spooky, ooky, kooky, and creepy special edition of The Spoke. Or, as we're calling it tonight, The Spook. We've taken our pun-loving to another level. As is the 2020 way, Halloween celebrations will be a little different this year. A bit more zoomy and a bit less trick-or-treaty. But we thought we'd make up for that with an incredible new episode with an incredibly scary special guest. That's right, we're talking to Colin, the librarian. Sparked by a Varsity article on ghosts in the library, we chat to Colin about scary stories about cats. So, sharpen your fangs, hide your garlic and top up your pint of blood. This is the scariest podcast interview on libraries you'll hear all day. We are sat here on a spooky October afternoon in, some may say, the spookiest place in Cats. That's right, we're in the Sherlock Library, empty of students as of March 2020. What ghosts and ghoulies have taken the students' place in the past few months? To find out, we're sitting with one of our very own librarians, Dr Colin Higgins. Welcome Colin, we're pleased to spook with you today. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. Thanks for having me on the show. This is exciting. (laughs) For the uneducated, can you tell us a bit about what you do and how long you've worked here? Sure. So, so my role is, officially I'm called the, the librarian. Um, I have a team of, of four who work with me, and I lead that team. And um, my job is to maintain the study spaces in college, to provide a range of academic services to our community, um, and to manage the collections. And that's the, the books you see on the shelves that you can borrow and use in the libraries, but also what we call our special collections which are our rare books, our manuscripts, and our archives. So we have 10,000 rare books in, in this college, and one of my interesting parts of my job is to maintain that collection as well. Um, I'm also one of the fellows, so I, I'm a member of the governing body, and I do a little bit of teaching. I supervise for the ancient philosophy part of the classics titles. Cool. Do you um, interact with other colleges' librarians and... Yeah, I mean, so all the college libraries are different, but they're all the same. There are really interesting <laughs> parallels and, and um, divergences between them. So we're a very active community. Um, and as you can imagine, over summer, we were all sharing ideas about how we can open up our libraries. So we meet regularly. We know one another formally and informally. It's, it's a really good tight community. Right, well, so a big, broad, vague question for you now, but uh, why libraries? Why do books get you so pumped? Um, well, I, I, I don't really know. I, <laughs> I don't have a good answer to that question. The, the, so there are natural-born librarians, 
I'm not one of them. Um, <laughs> there are people who, throughout all of their school years in university, wanted to become a librarian. That's not me either. I kind of I fell into it by accident. Um, like many of the people I, I, I most admire in libraries, um, I, I I just one thing led to another, and and I and here I am now as as the college librarian. So. During my final year of my undergraduate degree in Trinity College Dublin, I started working in the library there part-time, just to make a little bit of money, and I found that quite interesting. When I moved to the UK to start my my postgraduate studies, I needed some money, I worked in some Cambridge libraries part-time, and I found I was really enjoying the library work more than I was my academic work. and then I got one job, and then I got another job, and then in 2010 I was appointed librarian here at, at Cats, where I've been ever since. We we did a bit of googling. Apparently, you did a master's in librarianship. I, I did, yes. So, a lot of li- librarianship is a it is a vocational kind of job. You're either good at it or you're not good at it, <laughs> and. Doing a master's degree can give you a certain amount of academic polish on top of that and can qualify you for certain kind of jobs. But um, so I have that. I did it. It is a it is a hoop that many of us feel you have to jump through to get into libraries, but it doesn't necessarily make you more qualified to be a librarian. Interesting. Well, as a librarian, we're guessing you've probably read some books. <laughs> and, for <Yeah>. this, <laughs> and for this Halloween episode of the pod, do you have any scary books to recommend for our podcasts, our avid listeners? Okay, so I think in, in, in my weaker moments, I'd confess that I'm particularly fond of, of H.P. Lovecraft and of Stephen King. They're my kind of go-to horror authors. I think for the purposes of this, though, I, I, I couldn't do anything but recommend the ghost stories of M.R. James. So for your listeners who don't know, M.R. James was provost of kings in the early 20th century. He was a biblical scholar. He was a medievalist, an antiquarian. He was a librarian, too. He, he published catalogues of the manuscripts throughout the Cambridge College libraries that we still use today. And on top of all that, he was a ghost story author. So he published four books of ghost stories in the first two decades of the 20th century. And they're really, really good. They invented the modern ghost story, effectively. The one I'm most fond of, if, you're, if your listeners are going to, to read any of them, would be uh, the oddly named The Tractate Midoth, which is set in the old university library and has as its hero uh, librarian. So, of course, that would be the one that, that, that I'd always pick. Um, oddly, though, for a librarian, I probably spend a lot more time watching films than I do reading <laughs> yeah. books. So... I'm a little bit obsessed with, with some of the 1970s horror films. Um, and and I, I need to use this opportunity to give a shout out to my friend, Kieran Foy, who's an up-and-coming uh, film horror director. And he's, he's just um, released a couple of the episodes on The Haunting of Bly Manor, which oh, has yeah. hit Netflix, Netflix in the past few days, <laughs> number one. So shout out to Kieran. Do watch that. I think that's a really mm. good example. It's not a book, but it's... Um, it's 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 really good psychological horror. Oh, lovely! Well, since St Catherine's was founded in fourteen seventy three, I imagine we've gathered some cool ghost stories over this over the years. Particularly from our research, a lot seem to be related to the library. Now we know you're a bit of a sceptic, but which story is your favourite? So, yes, from time to time, because I have responsibility for the archive, people 
approached me and they asked, tell us about the history of ghosts in St. Catharines. And we do have some. We have a lot fewer than many of the colleges do, and I'm not quite sure why that is. Such a lovely place. Um, we're, we're, just, we're just not very friendly to ghosts. Yeah. Um, th- there are two library-related ones. So until the 1960s, the Sherlock Library was approached by a tower in Chapel Court, which is really quite a, a romantic and a spooky idea, that you'd mm-hmm. enter this tower, you'd rise right up to the top, and there would be the door to the library. And there is a report in the 1930s of a spooky, light, ghost-like figure who haunted the top of that tower late at night. Obviously, that tower is now gone. This is before our time. I can't confirm or deny <laughs> who that might have been. The other one is a lot more recent. Several years ago, I was approached by a student in my office, and he said, can I ask you a question? And I thought it was kind of about the stapler. Will you buy me this book? <laughs> and he said, a very matter-of-fact way, can you tell me about the ghosts in the Sherlock Library? As though he were asking uh, a, a normal question. Maybe it was for him. <laughs> and I said, well, well can, you, can you let me know a little bit more about this ghost so I can look into it for you? And he said that several evenings he was sitting at this very desk that we're at, late at night, and he looked up onto this panel at the end of the bookcase, and he saw a figure looking at the figure of a woman staring down at him, unmoving, creepy, spectral, just staring down at the student. And he was the only one who reported it. I couldn't find any other evidence of this having happened. But but this young man firmly believed there was somebody staring at him out of the bookcase and watching over him. Wow. And is there any history of who this woman might be? Or? I've, yeah. I have no idea. He, As I said, there was no other evidence in the archive of, of any other strange happenings in the library. We don't know who this woman was. He was a bit uncertain about what she looked like. But um, but yeah, in, in the panel, it's a strange place for a ghost to be. In the panel <laughs> yeah. on the end of the bookcase, there apparently is a ghost. Mm. Wow. So you're a bit of a sceptic, but have you yourself ever witnessed anything like ghouly happening in college? Like what's the scariest thing that's happened to you in Cats? There was one time a few years ago, um, I, I like getting into the library very early, and I was I was in, I was clearing away the desks, and there was um, another young man sitting there wearing a tiger onesie <laughs> with the hood up and little tiger ears wiggling off the top of that. I thought that was really scary. Again, he was talking to me as though this was a, a quite normal thing to do in a library. Libraries, as you've probably seen, um, attract, attract some strange people sometimes and mm-hmm. some strange things. So nothing paranormal, but certainly um, unusual and interesting and different. Well, moving away from ghosts, are there any other horror stories, you know, like zombies, murders, or evil fellows telling off their students? Couldn't possibly comment on the last one. Um, <laughs> zombies, no, not that I know of, but for several years we've thought about doing an archaeological dig on Main Court. The evidence of the earliest part of the college is under there somewhere. But as I said, as a fan of 1970s horror films, I sometimes wonder if we would awaken something there. We might disturb something under the soil. Murderers? There is a a tale of murder uh, associated with the college. So in 1922, a man called Herbert Rouse Armstrong was executed for 
poisoning his wife, killing her, and attempting to kill uh, a rival of his. He is the only lawyer in British history to be executed for murder. And he was a student here wow. in the late 19th century. Um, I can recommend several books about him <laughs> which can be found in the library. So um, that's, that's, certainly, that's certainly an interesting one and a little bit, a little bit unsettling. Mm-hmm. I remember one of the, you had a, uh, one of the exhibition of all the old book archives that we had in college and it was something mm. to do with a, was it a dean who was murdered by a thief? Well, it was killed by a thief, and that's too. There, there may have been. There are, there are a couple of tall tales in um, the college histories written by W. H. S. Jones. So I think that one might be in there. But Jones is not thought to be a particularly reliable <laughs> source. He, he was an eminent um, classical scholar in in the first half of the twentieth century, and he was very famously known for, he had a nickname, Malaria Jones. He believed that the Greek city-states all collapsed in the 4th century and the Roman Empire collapsed because, and solely because of malaria. And this has, it was not uh, an idea based upon much historical evidence. So anything he says, he's a good scholar, a good historian of, of the college, but can't entirely be trusted. Well, we've talked a lot about ghosts and scary happenings in cats, but let's get down into the nitty-gritty, Colin. What scares you? <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, what, what do I answer here? I don't know. I don't have any phobias. Um, I don't believe in ghosts. I've never seen any. One thing that I, I used to do an awful lot of was, was um, swimming in the sea, and I found that both thrilling and terrifying in equal measure. There's something about being out of your depth in the cold water of the Irish Sea, way out from land and not knowing what's underneath you, mm-hmm. that I find is really exciting, but really, really scary at the same mm. time. So deep water, open water, that's the only thing that really makes me a little bit scared <laughs> of what I'm doing. I mean, even in the can, if you get touched by that seaweed, it can be a bit... You don't know, yeah, you're like you do a sea <laughs> And you get brushed by a jellyfish, and that might be a, a shark, <laughs> some kind of creature under the water. Right. Well, to leave our podcasts on a high, what are you planning to dress up for this Halloween? So, of course, I'm much too old and much too sensible as a librarian no. to dress up this Halloween. <laughs> um, I will be dressing up two little people this Halloween. I've got two small children, oh. and um, so I'll be helping with their outfits. So hopefully they'll be seeing Halloween through their eyes. <laughs> They're going to be dressing up, interestingly, as the things they want to be when they grow up. Oh, okay. So my slightly older, slightly perhaps more sensible child, <laughs> or perhaps not, is dressing up as an astronaut. My, my younger Excellent. one is going to dress up as a baddie. So <laughs> he will be dressed as the Joker. And uh, that will be the dressing up. I'll be dressing up little people rather than dressing up myself. Well, did you know Kicker, despite studying to be a vet, wants to be an astronaut? <laughs> I want to be an astronaut. That is my. Ever since we attended that talk together, that yeah, been... well, well, I will. I will lend you the outfit so you can, <laughs> you can play astronaut. Excellent, brilliant. Well, thank you for speaking with us today, Colin. Now that we're sufficiently spooked out, we're going to end the way we end all of our interviews. Without using the word friendly, because, yeah, we get it, we're friendly. Everyone <laughs> says we're friendly. What three words would you use to describe your time at CATS? So this is a tough one. I've, I've, been, I've been trying to think this through. One of that immediately jumps to mind is, is 10 years already, 
I've been in this job 10 years, and that seems like a, an extraordinarily long length of time. But I worked in three colleges before this one. Where would I rather be but cats? Um, I was tempted to say Herbie Dice Potatoes, because I know it's something that comes up regularly in your podcast. Um, but what I, what I thought was really encapsulated the reason why I get up in the morning, the reason why I'm coming here every day, is brilliant, inspiring people. So what makes this place come to life, I feel, are, are, are the people here who are brilliant not only academically, but are just interested in interesting things. And my job to, to help these people is, is really exciting because of that. A lot of colleges, they seem to exist in order to um, maintain the institution, maintain the organization. Whereas I think at CATS, people are at the heart of everything we do. So brilliant, inspiring people. I love that. That is a very good answer. Well, thanks very much, Colin. It's been very insightful, quite scary. Thank you for speaking with us today. <laughs> thanks again for having me on, and I'll be on the lookout for more ghosts around the college in the future. <laughs> Brilliant. Ooh, that was a bit spooky. Hey, Ellie? 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 Is it safe to come out now? It's safe. Phew. We hope you found this interview with Colin as fascinating as we did. Who knew Colin had so many great stories? This episode of The Spoke was produced and edited by Katerina Dixon and Ellie Gregson. We'd like to thank Alex Wallace and the choir for our new spookier jingle. Additional thanks to Katerina Dixon for the new artwork for the episode and to College for funding the project. Lastly, thanks to the rest of the Spoke team. Robert Sizer, Emily Cabay, George Kristen Marks, Emma MacDonald, Eleanor Taylor, Kazel Oshadi, and a new mysterious member who will be announced soon. Without you guys, we're nothing. Thanks for listening and happy Halloween. Mwahahaha. <laughs>